Welcome to the next episode of Exponential Wisdom, and I'm here in Toronto, where it's quite brisk today. My friend Peter Diamandis is in Santa Monica, and we have a certain balance there between the two climates. One thing that I would like to talk about is your friend Dean Kamen. You know, I had seen Dean a number of times that you've had him on stage at Abundance 360, but we got the real up close and personal in August when Dean invited all the members of the Platinum Longevity trip that we were in Boston, and he invited us to come north, an hour north to Manchester, New Hampshire, to his factories. They're very, very interesting factories because they're in actually factory buildings that are more than 100 years old, some of them 130 or 40 years old. And these were all the factories that made Manchester, New Hampshire, the textile capital of the world. More textiles produced every day in Manchester than any other city in the world in the 1890s and 1900s. And then it all disappeared, and those buildings were sitting open and being Eamon, truly a remarkable inventor. And when I saw him and went to his house and then read up on him, I began to realize that this is the sort of person that Thomas Edison would hang out with, Alexander Graham Bell, Samuel Morse, Henry Ford, you know, all the great pioneers of manufacturing in United States history and many other countries' history. This is the sort of person this was. I mean, he's very up-to-date and he's very forward-looking, but he's a throwback as an individual. I'm so happy to talk about Dean. He is an incredibly brilliant and humble individual. You know, so just to generalize one second, you know, you mentioned Alexander Graham Bell and Thomas Edison. I mean, there are these individuals in history and alive today that as individuals are a force of nature and change the world. You know, I'm thinking of Elon Musk, for sure, and Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. And I would add Dean came into that list without question, Martine Rothblatt and a few others. And, you know, what makes Dean so unusual is he's sort of a polyglot of technology. And I think people should just know a few things about Dean. So, you know, let me just mention a couple. You know, he is an inventor. He has on the order of 1,500 patents issued to his name, which is amazing. I mean, it's like one of the top 10 patent holders in the world today. He's best known for something that is kind of unfortunate. He's best known for the inventor of the Segway, which is interesting and kind of cute, but it's one of the least significant things he's done. But that same technology led to the creation of the iBot, which is a two-wheel self-balancing, stair-climbing wheelchair for people. Because when he saw people in wheelchairs, especially injured veterans, he said, I'm standing up at, you know, he's all of five, six. I think I'm, you know, he's an inch taller than me. And I'm looking down on these veterans sitting in these wheelchairs. You know, why can't, they should be able to stand up to eye level. So he made the iBot such that it can stand up on two legs and be seen eye to eye. It can, it can climb chairs. It can go on rocky terrain. And it's an incredible vehicle. We had a chance to see them and play with them at Dean Kamen's home. But 
you know, beyond that, he's also created the Luke arm, this robotic arm that people who are double amputees coming back from war can have this attached. They can feed themselves. Uh, it's got the fingers and... Full dexterity, right? So a person can pick up a grape and feed themselves a grape. You know, a few of the other things that he did, one of the projects I remember on the stage of TED talking about this when I released Abundance is a product called Slingshot that is a combination of a sterling engine and a water purification system that you can stick the hose of the slingshot into the Pacific Ocean, into the latrine, into, you know, swamp, swamp, and out the other end comes water so pure that you can inject it into your veins. And he got Coca-Cola to basically productize it and putting slingshots in the developing world. But he got his start actually in creating implantable infusion pumps, you know, the auto syringe, and, and basically people who have to be constantly taking various medications. One of his biggest inventions right now that's going to be extraordinary is there's so many people in kidney failure who have to go to a dialysis center. And these dialysis centers are awful especially during COVID. I mean, you know, there are COVID centers and it's just a miserable experience. And so he's been able to design and build at home dialysis machines that give a person the dignity and the ability to do this at home, you know, super low cost and efficiently. But I'll end on two items. First, an army. And we'll talk about those because you and I both have been inspired by it. First stands for for inspiration and recognition of science and technology. And people know of FIRST as a robotics competition where elementary students, junior high, high school students get access to kits and build robots to do competitions. You know, today they have hundreds of thousands of teams around the world who are part of FIRST. And it's pretty extraordinary. I've made my largest, there it's a nonprofit, I've made my largest contributions to XPRIZE and FIRST. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, one of his ideas, along with Professor Woody Flowers from MIT, who since passed, is to make it an Olympic-style competition. Mm-hmm. You know, he says people go into junior varsity sports and varsity sports, and the chance of them becoming a baseball, football, basketball star is like one in a thousand. You know, but anybody who goes into first can become a pro, right? Yeah. And the second was the Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing Institute. Dan, you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, Babs and I are sponsoring two high school teams in the worldwide competition this year. And we certainly intend to continue doing that in subsequent years. And by the way, anybody interested, it's $10,000 per high school team. Yeah. yeah, I've sponsored 10 a year and it's pretty extraordinary. And the impact on inner city kids or kids who don't have an understanding of technology is extraordinary. They even have teams now from people who are between countries. They're refugees and immigrants. They take part in the competition just yeah, like very, very emotionally. There was an all-girls Afghani team that had to be rescued in a very heroic effort. That's a different story. But first robotics, yeah. you know. But I'll talk about it. Yeah, so we went to Manchester and we went into one of the 
actually quite small buildings. It wasn't one of the biggest. And this beautiful turn of the century, 19th century, 20th century, brick buildings, beautifully constructed. I think there was over 30 of them in the area, and they were all empty. And Dean's got some great stories on how he went through acquiring more and more of these factories. But the thing he told us, we looked at this one room, and it was not a clean room or anything like that. It was a manufacturing room, and we were looking at the machine in there. And it was, I would say, if you take two boardroom tables and put them together, the technology was spread out over these two tables end to end. And there were seven components to it. And he said, now, he said, we have contracts for manufacturing things for the Department of Defense. And right now we're manufacturing skin and bone and ligaments where we're manufacturing new ligaments and new bones for injured soldiers, injured in combat. But he said in the near future, uh, I don't exactly remember the time frame. Time frame is the next like 18 months. Yeah. Time frame, 18 months. He said, there are babies that are born with defective hearts. So when we're in full operation here, you'll be able to take cells from the heart that are healthy cells, and we can put it in one end of the building. And 45 days later, out the other end of the machine, there will be a brand new, perfectly healthy heart, and that can be transplanted. A pediatric heart, yeah. Yeah. And he said, and then we know what the machine looks like when it's smaller, and it'll be about the size of a desktop copier. And he says, then we'll have 500 of them in the room. And every 45 days, each of those machines will produce a new baby heart that is DNA compatible with their existing heart. Yeah. You know, and I turned to somebody and I said, I think this is a really big deal. To add some additional flavor to this description, ARMI, A-R-M-I, the Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing Institute, which is in these old textile mills, Dean won it as a government contract against, you know, Baylor, against everybody else. And he had nothing, no biological background there, but he aggregated a number of incredible people, Martin Rothblatt, you know, dozens of universities hundreds of scientists and pulled this team together. And I think they've done everything they've done so far with under 100 million, they have another 50 or 60 million coming, but it's peanuts. And the government contract was, we want to be able to manufacture replacement organs, period, end stop. (laughs) And it's like, you know, yay. I mean, who doesn't want an extra set of organs? Like, you know, and so the idea is in one end of this machine, goes what are called IPS cells, induced pluripotent stem cells. So this was, IPS cells came from a Nobel Prize winning work by Dr. Yamanaka out of Japan that he learned to be able to take a cell, a skin cell, and then hit it with four chemicals and to induce it to become a pluripotent stem cell, meaning pluripotent means it can be differentiated into anything. And those iPS cells are sort of the, you know, step zero for differentiating into muscle, bone, nerves, you know, skin, whatever it is, and then put it in the beginning of the machine. And then over, like you said, 45 days, the machine will induce it and direct it to manufacture pediatric heart. 
or muscle or, you know, liver or lung. And cartilage for my left knee. Yes. Well, and they've done, their proof of concept was bone cartilage ligament constructs. Next, they're going after pediatric hearts, which is incredible because, you know, there's no replacement for that. At least for normal heart transplants, you've got some rate at which people on, on motorcycles don't wear helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We call those organ donors when I was in medical school, which is sad. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but wear your helmet if you're riding a motorcycle. Well, one of your mottos is don't die stupidly. Yeah, don't die from something stupid. And that would definitely mm-hmm. be in there. So on the trip also, we saw a few other companies, Dan, if you remember, that are doing organogenesis. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing to think that this decade, you're going to have backup organs. Yeah. I was thinking about it in relationship. It's when some famous person, you know, actually gets organ transplants, you know, and talks about it. I've got a new heart. I've got a new elbow here. I've got, you know, new things. And this is all manufactured. And this is all my DNA. It comes from my DNA. And it's completely consistent. Or you could have your DNA upgraded if your DNA has some issues. You could CRISPR it before you use it. Yeah. You know, I write these little quarterly books, and I'm just starting book 30. It will be 30 books in 30 quarters. I just take a concept from the program and develop it a little bit more in terms of the mindsets. But the first book in the series is called Wanting What You Want, any of the other books that I've had. And I said, you know, the vast majority of people go through life wanting what they need. Mm. And I said, there's only a few people who actually go through life wanting what they want. And I said, need is based on you're missing something. That's a deficiency, okay? In other words, uh, you need more food because you don't have enough food. You need more money because you don't have enough money. You know, it's all based on need. And it's very, very competitive because need is really based on overall scarcity of things that could be abundant. And I said, they don't become abundant because people are operating from need. They're not operating from want. Okay. I did a recovery project. I was divorced in bankruptcy on the same day in August of 1978. You know, two really bad report cards on the same day. Afterwards, I had about three or four months to think about it because people really leave you alone when you've just gone through a bankruptcy. (laughs) (laughs) They're very respectful of your privacy. (laughs) You know, so I said, you know, the reason why I'm in this fix, you know, why I failed here, I wasn't telling myself what I really wanted. I just wasn't. So I, I don't know if I ever told you this because this is the genesis of my 25 year thing. And I said, you know, I'm just going to change one thing. I said, you know, nobody cares. You know, what I noticed that nobody cared that I was divorced and bankrupt. And so I was really free. You know, if my life doesn't turn out to be anything, nobody's really bothered by that. So I said, I'm just going to spend the next 25 years and every day in a journal, I'll write down, I want. Okay. But the one thing I won't do is I won't say because. Mm. I'm just going to write down, I want, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And I started on New Year's Eve in 1978. And on New Year's Eve 2003, Babs and I were out with some friends. And I said, I just finished a project. Wow. And I did 25 years and I missed 12 days. There's 9,131 days in 25 years. And I missed 12 days. And I said, that's okay. 
but I became a real wanter. And what I noticed is all the stuff that we talk about on exponential wisdom is largely created by people who want. They want what they want. It's not because they want what they need. It's not because of need. It's because of want. Right. Yeah. And I think that wanting a full set of replaceable organs doesn't come out of need. It comes out of want. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I think having you know a human colony, a human civilization on Mars doesn't come out of need. It comes out of want. End of the day, you know, desiring a 156-year health span or a 700-year health span, the same sort of logic applies. You know, if I can do 156, Peter, you got to feel good about doing 700. Oh, I, I do. I do. I'm, that's definitely a target. And yeah. the challenge I keep coming back to you with, Dan, is if you can do 156, you can do 700. Yeah, well, if I can do 150, I'm sure I can go and renegotiate. Yes, I think so. I mean, what people don't realize is it's living long enough to live forever is, is kind of the phrase that Ray Kurzweil uses. I mean, the amount of fundamental breakthroughs that we're going to see over the next decade alone, let alone the next 30 years, is unfathomable, literally unfathomable. A question I ask people, because it really was a mind-blowing thought when I first realized it is, you know, you and I both have the same DNA today that we had when we were 20. Why don't we look like we were 20? What's going on? And so it isn't your genome. It's your epigenome. This is the work that David Sinclair and George Church are doing. This is, you know, I've got this $100 million XPRIZE for age reversal, which will focus on epigenetics as well. And it's can we actually bring back the control of your genome back to where it was earlier in life? Mm -hmm. And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. It's a matter of just simply when. Yeah, well, one thing I want to, you know, my belief, you know, in Dean Kamen as one of these Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, Westinghouse, right, yeah. you know, that genre of great, great industrial revolution in the late 19th century. I was talking to Dean, I got about three or four minutes to talk to Dean, you know, and I was just telling him and he says, you know, Peter takes you on these trips and he says, all these people who you're seeing over these six days, he says, they're coming up with a really great idea. I have to tell you, I'm the one that's going to get the idea out to a million people. Yes. So that's super important point. I remember at the same time I had heard from Elon, interesting conversation. He said, you know, having the idea or having the design on the whole rounds to zero compared to the difficulty of manufacturing and production. Meaning, if you look at the overall amount of work required to transform an industry, the electric cars, reusable rockets, the idea is the easiest part. It's putting it into production cost-effectively and efficiently that's difficult. And that's what Dean is doing, is the Manufacturing Institute, you know, the Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing yeah. Institute. Yeah. My sense of it is... Your friend Jeff from Amazon, who now went to... Jeff Holden. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's going to be this remanufacture, you know, the remanufacture uh, whole concept that yes. the U.S. is going to completely re-industrialize at a level five stages above what they lost in the 
60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s where jobs were shipped overseas. Yes. And all those industrial jobs, it's not that those jobs are coming back, entirely new jobs are being created at the level of using robotics and uh, artificial intelligence and, you know, all the technologies that are being developed in the regenerative medicine. And my feeling is that beginning with the, you know, transforming of all the cells in the human body, it's going to be a philosophical movement. It's going to be a social movement. It's going to be a culture that we can transform everything that's broken. We can fix everything that's broken. We can transform anything that's run down, everything that's abandoned. And my sense that there, this is not just a scientific and technological revolution. I, I think this is a fundamental philosophical movement that's going to take over. I agree. And by the way, it's Jeff Wilkie, not Jeff Holden. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, Amazon. Wilkie. Jeff Wilkie was yeah, the Jeff, CEO. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and I think it's going to basically happen in America. I think it has, you know, this entire reinvention of manufacturing. I mean, COVID has caused massive forces to re-onshore capabilities. And so that is definitely going to happen. I want to hit on another hero in the vein of Dean Kamen, and that's Martine Rothblatt. Martine's been on the Abundance 360 stage. She's been a dear friend for 40 plus years. I've known her since the early 80s. And Martine has an incredible story. I dedicated a chapter to her in The Future is Faster Than You Think. And in my upcoming book with Tony, Life Force, we dedicate another chapter to her. Her daughter came up with a deadly disease called pulmonary fibrosis. And Martine was a satellite lawyer and entrepreneur, space entrepreneur. That's how I originally met her when she was him, Martin Rothblatt. And after Genesis got this diagnosis, then Martine stopped everything, quit her jobs, picked up a high school biology book and began reading. And, you know, the physicians told her that Genesis had a few number of years left to live. And damn it, if Martine did not find the invention, the drug solution to treat Genesis and treat tens of thousands, now hundreds of thousands of people with the same disease. And she built United Therapeutics as a company that's now worth about $9, $10 billion from that. But she didn't stop there. Her goal was to surround the problem of lungs. Yep. And she has built technologies that can take a lung that fails a transplant approval. Like when, when a person dies and they've signed up to be a, an organ donor like I have, you know, if I'm on the autopsy table, they would look at my heart, my liver, my, my lungs, my kidneys, and say, are they in good shape? And a lot of times the lungs do not pass that. It's a very small percentage because they're filled with They fluid. deteriorate so quickly. Yeah. And she built a machine and mass produced it that reperfuses a lung and takes it from fail to fantastic shape so that was one approach for lungs, like just increase the number of donor lungs that are acceptable from like 5% to like 50%. That's massive. But then she said, you know, it turns out that the lungs of a pig are actually the right size for a human. And she went on to begin the uh, humanization of pigs. And this is a few companies working on this, but she worked with Craig Venter on this and a few others. And where you genetically engineer a pig, 
to change the surface antigens from porcine to human. And when you sacrifice the pig, you get lungs, liver, kidney, heart, and lots of bacon. <laughs> so that's amazing. And then she's taken another approach, which is the 3D printing of lungs, being able to 3D print the collagen structure of lungs and then put them in a bath of stem cells that automatically, yeah, automatically because of the structure. So uh, another amazing thing. And then she realized that the time from which a lung, a heart, or kidney becomes available till it gets transplanted in is such a short window that she set the goal of reinventing how organs are delivered from a manufacturing facility to a hospital for transplant. And so she backed one of the top electric vertical takeoff or landing companies called Beta. Kyle, the CEO of Beta, will be speaking at A360 this year. Mm -hmm. And then she just recently did a drone delivery of a lung that was then transplanted successfully mm -hmm. and a kidney. I mean, it's crazy stuff and amazing moonshots. And she's an incredible human being. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And this is like the manufacturing industries of the, well, the near future, because it's already happening. It's already in place. And so I was telling the entrepreneurs because I shared with about 500 of my 10 times ambition class entrepreneurs. And I said, look, I went on this trip and this is what really struck me as important. If you'd gone on the trip, you might've gotten 10 different things that I did, but I'm just going to share it. And as a result of that, we've created a new optional program for our coach clients and we launch in May. We just start sending out the you know, registration blanks, but we already have 170 of the 200. Amazing. Say as soon as they get it, they'll sign up for it. And my feeling is that, you know, as I said, you know, when we just met to start the podcast today, I think that regenerative medicine is the number one human industry of the next 50 years. Yeah, I agree with extraordinary upside, right? I love the quote that Joe Paula shared with me once. He said, you know, the man or woman who has their health has a thousand dreams. The man or woman who does not has but one. Yeah. And that is so extraordinarily true. And so what gift, right? So fountain life, for example, for me, and you've gone through it and we're working. Yeah, and, uh, George, uh, George Shapiro. Uh, yeah. Shapiro's joining coach. Nice. Oh, and, fantastic. Yeah. Super happy. And Richard, our Aerojet guy, he's joining. Yes, he's joining coach too. So yeah. Well, okay. Anyway, so thank you very much for the. Well, on that. But George is just fascinated with our program because we're not bringing in the scientists and the technicians because you do that. Okay, so our whole point is, how do you even think about this stuff? You know, I mean, you want to live another twenty-five or thirty years. Have you talked to your wife about this? <laughs> you know, I mean, I have five siblings, the youngest is 70 and the oldest is 86. And I told my team members, I said, you know, I just want to put you on notice right now because we're going to have to respond quickly. I'm going to be requested to attend more and more funerals as we go forward. We have to think about this from a teamwork standpoint. We have to think about this from a backup. I said, I've got clients I started with 30 or 40 years that I'm real friends with. I'm going to go to their funerals, you know, yeah. and everything. And, you know, it seems like a macabre thing to talk about. But I said, you know, this is what you have to think about when you 
say, I'm extending my life. I have a goal in, you know, one of the exercises because it's going to be coaching. And one of them is 50 at 100. Okay. And I said, when I'm 100, I want to have the same energy and fitness as I had at 50. And I said, how many of you can even think about that? And they put up their hand. I said, and that's why it's 50, because maybe when you do 50 at 100, you'll want to do 20 at 100. You know, I said, but it's up to you. But I think that the age reversal is the key because it can be measured. It can be projected as a goal. And, you know, Inside Tracker, which just tracks 43 things that you can actually work on from lifestyle changes, sleep, exercise, nutrition, they have a little age reversal thing. So I was 77 and they gave me 68. And I said, that's good. And then it said, here's five things that if you work on next time, you'll probably be 67. You know, yes. and I can see, you know, the Olympics of age reversal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, making it measurable is one of the most important things. And these are the epigenetic clock. No measurement, no progress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I, I love these conversations. I love featuring the heroes like Dean Kamen and Martine. Anybody interested in supporting FIRST Robotics, you can just Google First robotics and yeah, and the thing is that people can do it for their own high school. They yeah. can just check whether they have a team, and you can sponsor the team. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you something. Please. I find as a real treat, and it's a payoff for longevity, actually. So I get a request that in August of next year, my high school that I graduated from in Norwalk, Ohio, St. Paul's High School in Norwalk, Ohio. They have invited me back to speak to their entrepreneurial program in the high school. And the point is that 60 years ago, I graduated from St. Paul High School. Uh-huh. And I said, they're invoking the 60-year rule, you know. Uh, you know, if he's still doing something at 60, he can come up. He can come uh, up. probably learn something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's kind of funny because, you know, we didn't have an entrepreneurial program when I was at, <laughs> you know, Eleonora, who you know really yes, well. And I was, uh, would you do this? I said in a heartbeat, tell them I'll be there. You know, tell them I'll be, nice. be there. And if I can't do it personally, I will do it virtually, you know, so. Well, buddy, another fun exponential wisdom with you. And it's been an incredible 2022 start. You know, it's, yeah. I still get my mind blowing when I hear the word 2022. I'm trying to figure out, is it 2025 or 2030? That's going to start to really say, wow, we're really living in the future. Well, I think with a couple of the predictions that you made in our very first thing, we are feeling the effect of it today. I mean, no question, the regenerative medicine yeah. is one of them. Artificial intelligence, no question with that one, you know. I don't even know if blockchain was an idea 10 years ago. Oh, was it? No, it wasn't. But in 2015, I gave everybody an A360 Bitcoin. I know it was 200 bucks a Bitcoin. And a lot of people would say, hey, where was that address you gave me? I can't find it anyplace. So, well, it's kind of like too late. <laughs> you lost yep. it. This year, I'm going to pick three new you know, cryptocurrencies, if you would, to give out to members. I just think it's important for people to experiment. It's all about experimentation. Play with AI, play with 3D printing, play with all of these areas and find out what works for you, what you're excited about, what impacts your company. Yeah, because it's all meaningful, all impactful, all exponential. (laughs) Thank you for joining us at Exponential Wisdom. Those of you who are interested in 
understanding how exponential technologies are transforming your world, how computation, sensors, networks, AI, robotics, how they're transforming every industry, uh, how you can see the future with enthusiasm and excitement and not fear the future, but be excited about the future, consider joining my year-round program called Abundance 360. You can go to www.a360.com to learn more uh, and, uh, and find out how, you know, an abundance, an exponential, a longevity mindset, a moonshot mindset can transform the future of your business. Right. And if you want to be uh, 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times uh, more successful entrepreneur, uh, in the world that Peter is mapping out and describing for us, then join us at strategicoach.com uh, and uh, we'll show you the growth path that entrepreneurs can take into all the amazing new exponential industries and businesses that are going to take place over the next several decades. All right. Take care, Dan. Thank you, Peter. Be well.